Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast. This month, sponsored by our friends, Manscaped. Alex, are you trim and clean? Are you as trim and clean as you should be? I am uh, pretty much where I was when I was 13 and growing my pubis for the first time. <laughs> you're like 18 at college. You're like, what's that? Your first pubes yeah, gets exactly. You're like, what is that? What's happening? No. <laughs> No, uh, I got to say, Alex, this month we've been doing Beefcake. The pod brings the beef for Thanksgiving. Yep. Uh, we've been watching a lot of muscly men who take care of their, their manscaping growth. I think what I've learned in this quarantine is that a lot of our, our fellow brothers out there, the other men folk, uh, it's been battered into our brains that we don't need to pamper and take care of ourselves. Untrue. If 2020's taught us anything, you got to take care of these little health things, right? Being trim. Being aerodynamic so you can dodge this air that's full of COVID and fake news and neighbors. You got to be agile, right? If you want to do a Dalton kick, true, you can't be rocking a full bush. It's not acceptable. No, not at all. No, no. You can't be yeah. rocking those scrotum pressing jeans against your, uh, against your legs if you're rocking a full bush. It's impossible. But that's like the beauty of Manscaped. We, uh, the Lawnmower 3.0 is a wonderfully beautifully designed piece of equipment you just, you're done like it takes it takes no time at all it's absolutely wonderful i yeah. uh again the pampering like the actual like need to focus on yourself for that kind of stuff much more valuable than i expected it to be especially this year yeah and i even had a friend who was so foolish she's like well i'm married i don't need to do that anymore and i'm like well guess oh, what sure. you're gonna have to find another wife because she's sick of looking yeah. at your little uh your little hobbit down there He's like, no, it is this, no, it is this trim. Then it's like, well, yeah, that's why. If you're not trimming yourself, someone is not happy with you. That's okay. no way to live. It's no way to live. Be cool. Learn to trim. <laughs> take care of yourself, guys. The important thing is also using our code at manscape.com. You go to manscape.com. Mm -hmm. You pick out what you want. You use our code FILM, F-I-L-M. You get 20% off your first purchase plus free shipping. It's actually a pretty sweet deal. Yes, and might I add, the underwear are exceptionally good. The Manscaped really underwear good. are game-changing underwear that I will really be adding good. more to my cart. Just either here. Let me tell you guys a horror story, right? Two more. I actually already bought two more pairs of Manscaped underwear. Exactly like We got right. the freebies, and I bought more. They're that good. Let me tell you a horror story just to sell this one more time. So... I was using one of my old trimmers, right? It was a sad trimmer. Uh, the kids were busy. I was like, I'll go handle this. So I was trying to nick myself up with my wife's like $2 pink flamingo handled leg razor. Oof. I got the old okay. power leg up, the power stance right. I look like Brad Wesley trying to buy a local business. Just up, <laughs> going at myself with my wife's razor, right? I hear a sound in the other room. Ah! My kids have done something horrible, right? So... In a, in a fluid motion, I run out to make sure my kids are okay. I forget that I'm shaving my balls and have no clothes on. I go out, what the hell's going on? The kids have knocked something off, like a TV or something. It's a, it's a shit show. But they both look at me. Their eyes go huge. They both start crying. My son throws up. And I was like, what on earth is happening? Come to find out, I forgot to put my lovely fitting Manscaped underwear back on. So I ran out there, uh, and I had nicked myself bad. Because I wasn't using the lawnmower's patented protection plan. Uh, so I nicked myself bad. So my leg was just covered in blood from my balls. Uh, so my kids are just looking at my kind of shaved, uh, naked, bleeding body. The kid threw up. The dog ran over and ate it. So I threw up a little bit on my own naked stomach. And I was just like, if only I could find help in this cruel world. Lo and behold, Manscaped, right around the corner. It was fortuitous. So Bless my him. kid is scarred. I'll have to pay for a lot of therapy down the road. But at least I'll be saving money on those disgusting ball shampoos. By going to Manscaped.com, using our code FILM, F-I-L-M, getting 20% off and free shipping. Go do it, guys. Treat yourself, especially your friends, going into, uh, you know, your little Daltons going into the uh, new year. That's right. You don't want yourself looking like a throat rip down there, guys. Take care of you. No. Take care of your significant other. Save your children the trauma like I did not do. Manscaped.com. Code Phil. Buy it.
guys, if you're here joining us, we hope you're enjoying yourselves as always. We have to ask you for some help real quick up top. Please take a second and leave a rating and review wherever you find the podcast, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast uh, app. Give us a quick five star, a couple words about why you enjoy the show that we appreciate that so much. Thank you so much for those of you who have been doing it. It means the world to us. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel now called Film Alchemist. We're working on some new content over there, uh, especially in this new year. We're going to try to really be good about building a YouTube presence. You can also watch the video versions of these audio podcasts over there. So get on over there and do that. Find us on all the social media you're on. We love Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the stuff you're on. Uh, that's a great way to reach out to us. You can also email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you guys. This is a great way to get a hold of us and let us know what movies you want us to talk about because that's what we're here to do, man. Also, last chance. This is the last week. You'll be hearing this early in the week, so you have time. We are still filling slots for our December stocking stuffers. We've got more than we can cover. But I think we got some softies. Some people Some people went a little off the rails with their picks. So if you have a dynamite movie that you want to hear us talk about, there's still a really good chance we may be able to get that in this December as the pod stuffs your stocking. So oh, that's yes. enough business for now. But get those in any of the ways you want to reach us, socials or filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. All, All right, right, that's it. The pod, uh, it's approaching Thanksgiving. The pod decided we're bringing the beef. Enough of this wimpy ass elitist turkey this turkey that's got to have stuffing in it just so it can have the guts to show up to your table enough of that we're bringing beef right so we've gone through the beefiest today easily my favorite of the beefcake uh oeuvre that we've discussed although mm. serving us the most petitest and leanest of the beef cuts a fine mm. movie called roadhouse alex First thoughts on Roadhouse. I mean, it is <laughs> markedly the most important movie of any young man's life. <laughs> I was actually a bouncer in college, and I, I really cannot understate the value. Like, I remember in college, I had friends that were like, have you seen the movie Waiting? This is what it's like, right? Or there were people that, like, saw Office Space as that movie. When I was a bouncer, it was lit it was like one of those weird fraternity spanking, jerking off rituals where mm -hmm. it's like you know you're going to drink to the edge of death and if you survive as you're recovering, you'll watch Roadhouse and then you'll be amongst the bouncing brethren. <laughs> so yeah, this movie is wildly important to me and I adore it so much. <laughs> there's nothing about this movie that can be understated as being hugely important to really any young man's development. Like there's a lot of great life lessons in this movie. Everything that you learn from the movie Roadhouse generally yes. can be applied to life. What I love is that it has great life lessons. And then about <laughs> about halfway through the movie, it's like, let's forsake all that and blow up the whole town. Well, I mean, the thing that I like the most is the most important life lesson that's ever been extolled in a movie is in this film, which is, listen... If you can't beat them, rip their fucking throat out. Not a life lesson. I, I mean, is it? You only got two choices, mijo. Either you sure. die or you rip his fucking throat out. No. <laughs> there is, oh, we'll get to, oh, we'll is get to thing, Wade though. Garrett, my friend. What I love about this movie so much is it, 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 it steers directly into one of the weirdest things about the action genre. Is all of these men watch these movies... And we all kind of fantasize about being an Arnold or a Stallone. But it's like, I watched the movie Cliffhanger as like a preteen. And you're like, yeah, I'll never be hanging off the side of a mountain like that. That's just, <laughs> nope, that's not happening. Right? Like, Arnold. You can just see there's like, oh, there's just think Stallone. Yeah, like the Predator, he would have chewed me up. Like, I'm not going to be able to roll in the mud and create traps. Like, that's yeah. not going to work. But there is something, and I think it's one of the funny motifs of the movie, is the way they designed Dalton is so absolutely fucking brilliant in this movie. It's amazing. Is that... There is this, and it's the funny thing, too, because I was one of the guys, like, I'm a fairly big guy, I guess, but not huge. So, like, as a bouncer, I used to have that. I knew I was the guy that every person in the bar is like, I think I could kick his fucking ass. And you're just like, God damn it. Like, we had bouncers that were just way bigger and way more muscly, and you're like, people see right. them and just know, like, 
I don't even want to do that, even if you could beat them. But right. me, they would look at me and just, you know, it's the, I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> right. I mean, this movie, I can tell you, I mean, there's not a time in my life where I don't so desperately want to be Sam Elliott's Wade Garrett in this movie. But I know in reality, I'm more like that huge molded fat guy who's also a bouncer who just clearly prays at the and worships at the altar of Dalton. The Dalton. Well, first it's off, like, the fat molded guy. Man. Dalton is his like Mona Lisa for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. One hundred percent. He's like the, I'm gonna start a keto diet. I'm gonna listen to Joe Rogan Pod and buy some kettlebells. And I'll be Dalton in no time. For yes, sure. That's exactly that's I think for one of the sure funny things. the sequel. So let's talk about this right up front, right? This movie lives, breathes, and dies purely on the strength of Patrick Swayze. What I love about Patrick Swayze, right, is that he is this different... He felt like one of the last macho men from a bygone era, right? He felt like he was more of a 70s star in the 80s. So as these guys were getting bigger and more jacked, Swayze came in who has this background in dancing... You know, a little ballet, a little... He's very fucking lean. He's not a particularly big guy. Even though he has a giant fucking head and giant hair, right? Like, his head and hair ratio is fucking massive to his body. But he's the guy that all of our moms would get whapped to, right? Instead of our dads. Oh, for sure. And every guy was like, that's something I think I could be or hang out with. He's still chain smoking. Right. But he, he always felt better and above, but still attainable. And there's just... There is something about him, right? And this is the role that Swayze really does the masterful, uh, you know, just kind of the silent man in the corner. We all wish we could be instead of desperately yapping and trying to make ourselves what we want to be. Totally. Um, there is just a pure, a pure fucking alpha power to him in this movie that is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with the, like, muscle. Like, he's not, like, he... I guess it could, but like for me, Swayze is the Swayze is the ultimate masculinity of this month of beef we've done. <laughs> he is the most masculine in Roadhouse. There's no one like Stallone on his most Cobra-ish day wishes he had the masculinity, the power, the fortitude that Dalton lives with on well, a regular basis. Okay, but this is what I'm saying, because I, I agree with you, right? I think there's something about needing the giant bulging muscles well, that just speaks to some kind right. of inner well, weakness. On. What I was getting at was right. that he is, because he's the cooler, that's what it is. Like, you can be a cobra and, like, quiet and fucking blow people away with your fucking sweet guns, or you can quietly sit in the corner and sip coffee, and that is what makes someone mad. That's what, to me... That's the that's the product of masculinity right there. He's just, well, hey, what do you have to drink? Coffee. Wow, that's the coolest. <laughs> co- that's the coolest order anyone's ever made in a bar. Well, it's not even that. It's the fact that we see him actually get roughed up. He's not the big like. This is the thing. Swayze in this movie and Connery and Zardoz, which we started the month with. There is something just unbelievably masculine and powerful about them. Without the, oh yeah, I can flip a fucking phone booth over my shoulders at will, right? Like, I could probably... You would believe if I, like, threw a helicopter five feet into the ground and survived the explosion in shrapnel, right? Like, they don't have that. The way that the camera just sits on Swayze, and it's one of those things you hear, right? I remember... I just watched this uh, documentary with William Friedkin, right? He was talking about making The Exorcist. Fascinating Mm -hmm. stuff. Leap of faith on Shudder. And he talked about... He's like... The greatest landscape in movie history was just a close-up of Steve McQueen's face, right? Like, what he could do and accomplish. And as I was watching Roadhouse today, I was like, fuck, man, that's how I felt with Swayze. Just those, him looking with just a smirk. Just that every woman in this bar is going to go home and dream of me as her, like, pot-bellied, balding husband is trying to mount up, right? Smelling of cigs and beer. I mean, he smells like cigs, too. Uh, And all the guys are like, yeah, I could probably jug for like a week and i'd be cooler than him even though they can't for sure right but there's there's something just it's one of those things you just can't teach you can't get that in the gym you can't get it anywhere swayze just he just looks right Right. there's even a really one of the scenes i noted that i fucking love is when he's doing the tai chi flow he's doing like his morning karate flow in his fucking white pants and napoleon dynamite boots 
and the farmer comes out and actually grabs his hat. And they come back to like a pearl clutching moment from the farmer. And I was like, even this old farmer wants to fuck Patrick Swayze. Like, that's how good that this movie runs. If you roll the movie through and you're like, imagine this movie through the lens of every person wants to sack Patrick Swayze. It absolutely works still. Oh, yes. <laughs> Without question. I mean, like every single person, even Ben Gazzara wants just wants a piece, man. That's all there is to oh, it. Oh, for you know? sure. For sure he does. I mean, it's. It's just a movie that sort of stands alone. And again, Patrick Swayze is this fascinating person. He's, I mean, he's always a fascinating actor. Like his choices are very specific. Like I was actually, cause I was reading a lot about like how he came to this movie and what he did afterwards. Cause this was, he did this right after dirty dancing. So they were like living high on the Swayze, the Swayze wave, the Swavy. And like, Apparently, this is crazy. He had to hire separate bodyguards for himself because the women would literally <clears throat> swarm set. That scene no. where he's like that pivotal scene in the movie where he's literally screaming across the uh, screaming across the little lake yeah. at uh, Brad's house. Apparently, a group of women literally got on a raft and totally <laughs> ruined the shot. <laughs> by like getting on a raft and like holding up signs like we love you Patrick oh my god like that's the level of mania that this man induces simply by sitting in buddy's corner and just letting it happen you know i mean it's it's something else man it's something else it can't it cannot be taught it cannot be taught it's a new thing you do and like i think the movie he did after this this is insane the movie he did after this was ghost like, i mean just like the three movie run like you are the Lady King of all time. Yeah, but, <laughs> absolutely. He knew. I love the idea of those ladies in our raft. It's like, we need a new life. We seek better lands. That land, your dick and face. Come on, Patrick. <laughs> no, um, but this is the thing, though, too, is Patrick is a perfect actor for Dalton, right? Who Dalton is very much this kind of anti-80s action hero in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. He has a nice car, but he buys a hoopty because right. he knows people's going to buy smash that, right? He right. can kick a lot of people's asses, but he wants to not do that, right? And he, right. Like, he's the a opening reluctant, scene I he's love, a reluctant right? hero, which is the thing I think everyone yeah. likes the most about him. Well, it, it makes him so much more interesting, right, than like Arnold in Commando is just like, well, now I've got to kill you. I was told I need to do work on my Arnold accent, so. I thought it was perfect. I'm not so, there. Whoever you know, oh! told you that is wrong. Oh! No, I'm just kidding. Give me back my girlfriend. I mean, Dalton. No. <laughs> Anyways, I'll work on it. It'll get better next time. But the opening with Swayze, right, is this guy's like, don't I want a piece of you? I thought, I think I could fucking take you. Like, he's been thinking about this a while. And as a bouncer, I can tell you that is a real thing, is that regulars to a bar size up bouncers, and they're like, I can kick that fucking guy's ass. Like, they all think that. They all want to do that, right? right. Uh, and him, like, all right, outside. He goes outside and he just rolls his eyes and walks back in. He denies us the fucking, the fighting, right? What we pay to see these movies for. And it fucking works unbelievably. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, fucking it's, the, amazing. it's the perfect talk tease. Literally the entire yeah. movie until he decides to like throw down as a huge cock tease. He's constantly denying us the thing that makes these movies like, cash grabs so to speak that's what kind of is amazing yeah. about roadhouse is it almost and this like this movie like got nominated for a ton of razzies people thought it was terrible also that's unbelievable i don't know if you know this the director rowdy harrington is a huge part of the film alchemist history he was the electrician for humanoids of the deep our favorite movie collectively and then he was also <laughs> <laughs> he was also best boy electric for Nightmare on Elm Street, which was during our first uh, 30 movies in 30 days run. Like what a career it's like. And this was the like this was like his first or second directing job. And this is the movie he chose to do. Like this is something else, man. This is a guy who understands something that no one else is understanding about what it is that makes Patrick Swayze, Sam Elliott, and really anybody in this movie who exudes any form of confidence. Fascinating. Well, this is the thing, right? So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. But this, I would just look at the opening like three minutes, right? It tells you everything about this man, Dalton. It tells you everything this movie's going to be. And it does it with kind of a deft touch, right? 
So he started on fast red muscle car. Mm-hmm. Or like, uh, what do they call those? Fancy cars. I don't know. Sports cars. Whatever the fuck. I don't know any car stuff, right? Why don't we go with sports cars? A beautiful cars. girl in a yellow dress walks up, right? We're drooling on herself. She's the ideal clientele. She walks in. American Express Gold. $100 bills. Titties and drugs, right? Or titties and booze, right? Like everything you think, you're like, this is the kind of bar I need to be at. This man refuses to fight, right? Very enter the dragon. Where Bruce Lee like tricks that guy onto the fucking uh, life raft boat. Like, meet me on that island. That's where we'll fight. He sets him adrift and he's like, fuck you, I'm not fighting. I know I'm better than you. And then he just comes up and Dalton just like, hey, you want me? It's all this fucking money, blah, blah, blah. I call the shots and this guy's just like, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, that three minutes is as deft and perfect an opening to a movie as you'll ever see. It just, it does every single thing it needs to do in a very efficient manner. And that is what this movie really plays at. And I think Swayze's really good at, right? Another thing I was reminded of watching this movie is this, uh, it, the way Dalton and Garrett are built up is these mythic figures, right? Very much like, uh, right. and Bo Jackson and Dr. J and times before TV deals. Where, like, you look back statistically and you're like, eh, they weren't that great, right? But Bo Jackson, people just be like, he plays two sports. I've never heard a bat crack like that. And then he's on TV in an all-star game running up the wall. And people are like, that must be what it's like every fucking day. That guy got a cartoon with Michael Jordan based on, like, folktales, right? And that's what Dalton is, right? He shows up to the bar and you see this. We show up to the Double Deuce, which is just an all-time shitter bar, right? Might be one of the, I mean, might be one of my favorite sets from any movie ever. Oh, it's it's awesome. And they just, the amount of prop tables they destroyed, very WWE level. But I like, because the, the blind guitarist describes, he's like, eh, it's the kind of place you sweep the eyeballs up at the end of the night. Or I think it was maybe the man, the owner of the bar set. I think it's, it, the, I thought it was the owner. It's a great line, right? Oh, no, I thought it was, I thought it was Keith David. No, maybe Keith David does. No, Keith thing. David makes the smallest little cameo in the middle. He's just the bartender Ernie. Yeah. When he orders more booze, like, wow, like you had Keith David in this fucking macho fest and you couldn't get him in there? That oh, yeah. sucks. But anyway, shouts out to Keith David. But um, I just, I love the notion of this just absolute shitter bar, right? And what's cool is because you just walk in and it's just brawls and just yeah. awesome little character work, right? Like the guy who's like, you want to kiss my wife's tits? Ten bucks each. The guy's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And he's like, well, joke's on you. I ain't got $20. Fucking bedlam, right? Like, this whole fucking bar is exploding in brawls. But you see these hard people that work in this hard environment. What do they all do? See that guy at the end of the bar? That's fucking Dalton, man. And so it, it plays on this fucking American tall tale, right? This great American man that we all wish we were. I thought some of the opening character work in this was phenomenal. Well, yeah, I mean, it's what makes this movie so fascinating and so entertaining in general is just you get to see you get to see the before times, like before Dalton shows up pre Dalton. This is exactly what the bar was like every (laughs) single night. And that's hilarious because you're like, oh, my God, who would ever want to go into that bar and deal with that all the time? But also, I so want to be in that bar every fucking night. This was the kind of one line of the movie I completely. Well, there's a lot of lines I disagree with, but this one where he's like. Noah wants to hang out in a slaughterhouse. And I was like, I'm going to disagree with you a hair, Dalton, because this was the bar, like, if we were, like, college guys, you're like, oh, yeah, it's Thursday. We're going to the Double oh, yeah. Deuce. You never know what you see at the Double Deuce. Absolutely. Like, that's the thing about – that's the – and I love that <laughs> scene, by the way, where he, like, lays out the rules and says, like, nobody wants to hang out in a slaughterhouse. Like, untrue, but also, again, like, he has these great scenes and – the first one, obviously, this one's the next one for me that like sets the tone for who Dalton is in the movie is he throws down his like three rules. Right. And that's like the thing that I that's the thing that like it was uh, be nice. Mm-hmm. Take it outside. Yeah. What was the third one? Never underestimate your opponent. Never underestimate your opponent. Yeah. Like that's the kind of stuff. But like it's such a cool like that's the that's the cool. that You're like, oh, man, I wish I was so I wish I was be that nice. Cool. Cause you yeah. want to be able to like hold the, hold the room like that. And it is just like this awesome beat, but he effectively, yeah, he makes it a much more easily habitable bar, but kind of makes it a little bit less cool. Even though the blind musician's super happy. He doesn't have to like hang out behind a cage anymore. Sure. But that's, I like the idea of like, here's this guy in a fucking cage. It's so unsafe for them to play. 
right? I, one of my favorite small beats is when the owner walks in and it says, for a nice fuck call, and he changes yep. it to Buick. And I was like, it's such a brilliant screenwriting and moment, right? It's just like, this guy's so fucking down and out. He's like, it's such a lost cause. He's like, well, at least I'll make it a Buick instead of pussy. That'll really help. <laughs> like the, the the overall economic state of my book. But it's like, it's a great, it's a great bit. It's a brilliant little bit. And this movie's loaded with those little bits, right? Oh, yeah. One of the things you're struck by immediately, though, watching this is you're like, man, this town outside of what we see, right? Because what we see is fairly idyllic, right? We see a mansion. We see a farm. The inside of a hospital, a couple, like, little bars and restaurants, whatever. Yeah, you're like, this town must literally be like a Sodom and Gomorrah because how many people are willing to literally murder and or get murdered to make like, minimum wage at a bar. <laughs> it's insane. Like people are like people are fiending for jobs in a bar. Like Yeah. It's interesting because what struck me this time, and I have never like thought this watching it, but <laughs> so much of this beat feels borrowed from or um so much of the like core concepts of like Dalton and Wade and the bar itself feel borrowed to that um that the rock movie walking tall which is based mm. on a true story but there's so much of what they tried to do in that movie that's borrowed from roadhouse and all of it doesn't work there just because like the nature of the movie is very different yeah. here though yeah like you're just sitting there the whole time and you're thinking what else goes on in this town like kelly lynch is a doctor and she's literally the only other and then there's the guy who runs the dealership that gets fucking pulverized by a big rig and you're like <laughs> i literally don't understand what's happening in this town like i thought that i wrote in my notes this time i was like i don't think this town exists i think it's like five different towns and yeah. there's like horrible things happening in other towns it's okay so the geography well this is the thing right like i it is kind of walking tall but walking tall is more of a classic setup right this is one guy that joe don baker was the original right and it's, he's back from the military. They're fucking him up. And he's going in to destroy a business, right? That's a lot easier. Right, right yeah. What is hard to swallow about this movie at times is like the entire political, socionomical, socionomic, economical, whatever the fuck, right? Existential threat to this town hinges. The linchpin of this town is the shittiest bar you've ever seen in your life. And, and I was just like, are there other bars in town? At one point, because one of the things they do, right, is you start seeing the bar get nice. There's no cage. Better yeah. lighting. People are wearing those 80s jackets with shoulder pads and shit, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you see the bar getting better. I'm like, are there just an extra 8,000 attractive young people in town, like, ready to come get hammered? What do you, like? Well, that's my question. Did they start, like, really bar it? Did they just start barring ugly people? They're like, you not allowed in you're yeah. hideous you're not allowed here <laughs> no shoulder pads you look like you've never heard of duran duran next bar scum <laughs> <laughs> now all of a sudden you've got this highfalutin bar in the corner um yeah it's the whole <laughs> the double deuce basically is the first hipster bar ever caught on film oh yeah for sure but this is the weird thing about this too is um it's so strange because, like, these guys who are willing to die for that, like, Terry Funk, right? The great legendary wrestler is, like, the first bouncer against, I think his name's Morgan. Where he's like, yeah. you're a dead man when he you're gets his dead check. Man. And I was just like, one of the very next scenes they show is that Brad Wesley's just having uh, fucking pussy parties galore at his house. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Why not just go make the same amount of money at the fucking pussy palace instead of, like, dealing with this bar? But what I like, they add a really cool thing. It's because this whole movie essentially is just Dalton fighting 80s action movies as an art form. Right? Because <laughs> yes, every 100%. character in this movie is a classic 80s action character who's like, I just can't lose face. <laughs> right? right? So they're like, yeah, of course I'll die to be a fucking bouncer who's probably make, I mean, it's the 80s, $4 an hour, maybe getting tipped out. But since At you're breaking best. everything in the bar, your tips are like, meh. People are ordering like a seventy cent Schlitz and giving you a nickel. So like, who knows? So like, right. so, but of course these guys can't lose because Morgan's whole life is I have to whip everyone's asses, right? right. And Brad Wesley even becomes that too, right? Because that's the other thing about the towns. So you're like, there's a guy who's rich enough to just have a 
fucking helicopter fly him around this fucking rich enough rich enough for the the, there's a lot of things that brad wesley gets to do that like not even normal rich people can do like yeah not even jeff bezos would do be like "Mm, that's a little extreme i don't think i can do that like (laughs) this is like brad wesley has a house by the lake that's fine that's rich people thing pretty normal helicopter interesting okay. is able to order a monster truck to drive through a car dealership which is just like you're like well he owns the monster truck so to be fair well he owns the monster truck he doesn't own the dealership that's what i'm saying like the things he orders people to do are like well he owns money, the town right and they betray he him owns the town but like see they explain like the double dues he doesn't own the bar he owns the liquor that goes to the bar so like he always like skims off the top and does all that shit yeah. which is like one of my all-time, because that's also the entrance of Sam Elliott as Wade Garrett, which is like one of my favorite entrances in a movie, maybe ever. Walking out back, he's like, you guys seen a skinny little runt running around here? And he goes out back, and he's just getting his ass kicked. goes, mijo? Well, no, because the one guy's like, get out of here, dickless. Get out of here, He's like, dickless. you want to fight? He's like, well, I'm not showing you my dick. And then he just punches him dick. right in the nuts. Punches him in the balls. <laughs> Which have not been freshly manscaped, you can tell. Oh, yeah. But no, we'll, we'll get to Wade Garrett. But what I like about this, too, is because there is this point where you're like, I think Brad Wesley's just really bad at business. Like, I think he just wants to die because he, he has everything he wants, but he can't yeah. have the doctor. He doesn't really have respect or toughness, right? Like, we see him beat up his own, like, wussy henchman who won't fight yeah. back. But we got There's it. a bit we, of we, this guy. When we talk about it, we'll get to the is house, which it, is right? amazing. Yeah, well, we see him run Dalton off the road, right? Where he's, like, singing yeah. his song, and he's like, yeah, I'll fucking play chicken if I die, so what? So there's mm-hmm. this... But it's it's kind of a brilliant trap door to build into this movie. Just this little tough kid from the south side of Chicago who, like, right. went... He made it so good. We see his murder room. Like, he's killed all these fucking animals, probably, like, unfair advantages and giant guns while they're sleeping. Yeah, he has like a real, a he has a real good, like, Trump Jr. room. It's pretty intense. Yeah, and then the moment his girlfriend dances a little bit on Dalton, we see her with the black eye the next scene, mm-hmm. uh, which just lets us know this guy's an enormous piece of shit. He's beating her up. So everything beating in Wesley's life is this false. Yeah. Again, it's him wanting to Brad be Dalton, Wesley is Andy. like Brad Wesley for sure owns like 20 Jimmy Johns and definitely hunts animals like for like animals that shouldn't be hunted for sport. Yeah. No, he it's, he's a, he's a scum. But it's pretty it's but it's, pretty it's a brilliant build in with Dalton though, right? Because Dalton's a guy who's not buying in. He's and he doesn't want it. But all of these guys can't let him walk away. Because no, every because one of these guys, what little bit of value they have is built in the fact that they will smash a guy like these Dalton. Guys is built into their masculinity and the yeah. ability to prove themselves versus Dalton of all people. Yeah. And again, like that's a another like you said it best earlier, which is just it's the guy you always want to be like, you want to be the quiet guy who sits in the corner, and just lets people like run their mouth. We're all those assholes who just run our mouths. Like, I don't yeah. know anyone who's cool enough to just sit in the corner and not say something. Well, I the next time, the next time you go out with your friends at a bar, make note of the things they tell you that they're really good at or something they did really well or some really brilliant insight. They've been saving up to drop on you. We're all those people. We're all crafting Absolutely. our narratives. Very few of us get to be Dalton where that shit's just done for. I would argue there are moments for sure where Dalton plays it up a little bit, though, right? Like the uh, oh, yeah. carrying his own medical file around. Uh, Come on, bro. That's just bullshit need, posturing. Come on. I don't need anesthetics. Pain don't hurt. Pain, Pain don't, don't hurt. hurt. Pain Why don't hurt. Why do you carry hurt? your medical files around? Saves time. It actually doesn't. That's I don't think she needed to know all your things. Scene. Are you allergic to aspirin? Are you allergic to anything else? Great. Shut up. Let me stitch you up. <laughs> Not even stitches, you you fucking weenie. Staples. Little wussy staples. No, and then he like he stitches himself up at the start. This time you can tell he's hamming it up. Here's my medical file. You can tell my coup fights I've been in. That is the <laughs> That's the other part I love. Cause they drop they drop this one bit of knowledge on us in the uh the emergency room scene, which is so funny, which is oh, a philosophy degree from NYU. Weird. And I was like, yeah, weird. Because everyone in the movie keeps talking about, oh, Dalton must be really smart and above it. I'm like, or he's just fucking a failure. Like, object. this is one of the hard things you have to accept. When you get older in life, you have to accept that Dalton and Wade 
are abject losers and failures yeah, in sure. life. Like, the coolest thing they could muster was being awesome bartender coolers. Yeah. Bouncers. Like, that's yeah. it. It's funny you bring that up because actually when they say, like, studied philosophy at NYU, I'm like, what happened, bro? You fell out of tish? What's going on? <laughs> and, like, that's that, like, bitchy film student in the back, back yeah. of my head. But just, like... <laughs> Yeah, Doesn't that, that feel like, like something he just lied about, though, too, a little bit? Like, do we honestly believe that? Well, it's like, oh, yeah, I went to NYU of Sias at Long Island for, of course, uh, philosophy. Oh, okay, cool. Sure. <laughs> Not fooling anyone, asshole. No. But, like, the first time we see Wade, right? Dalton calls me. He's like, oh, it's, it's getting hard here in this town. Wade is working at the shittiest titty bar you've ever seen. I mean, that titty bar is the size of my living room. Just full of uh, weekend passers trying to grab titties. He's like, save the world from the the floor. And he just comes, and you're like, if I'm doing that when I'm 60, like, that's not cool. And don't get me wrong. Sam Elliott, even as Wade Garrett, is so much cooler than us. He will fuck your wife. He would fuck your mom. And that would be bleeding. This is is the thing about this movie that's amazing is objectively – yeah. Two guys who travel constantly to become the best bouncers at any bar yeah. in town nearby are not cool people ever. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is not a cool thing to be. You can't be the best guy who stands around and makes sure no one gets their ass kicked inside the bar. But in the context of this movie, I swear <laughs> to God, I forget every single time while I'm watching this and just go, fuck dude i should just be a fucking bartender that would be so cool i should no. be a fucking bouncer i yes. would be so cool and that is the power of That's patrick swayze and sam elliott is you're like even if bona fide fucking losers <laughs> you watch that movie and you're like i'd give it all up for one week in that shitty <laughs> on air conditioned barn <laughs> like it's amazing like, I no. should never think, God, dude, I should just be a fucking bouncer. I'd be so cool. I'd be just like Patrick. No. False. Patrick I mean, Swayze is a huge fucking loser who can't handle being time. in one town because he kills people constantly. It's Yeah. No, okay. Now, this is one of the funniest things about the movie, too, is uh, one of the coolest and funniest things in the movie, and it's actually kind of sh- – it never really dawned on me until this viewing, but it's one of those things like – how did they get away with this? This movie has so many major absolute crimes. Uh, just massive amounts of very serious, horrible crimes going on. And we don't see a police officer until the very last scene this... of the movie. I feel like they get like the call like, oh, uh, I think Brad Wesley might be dead. Cool, great. All right, we'll go copping again. Like, it's the weirdest thing. No, okay, so Red Shop gets blown up, right? We see some firemen. You Fire. cut to the bar right next door. Brad Wesley's essentially in there like, go show your tits while I confess to crimes. And he's like, lap dog, do stick karate with a pool cue. No police law enforcement presence nope. at all. None, right? None. Dalton. Literally commits his second murder. Just a fucking throat rip. He just goes to work the next morning. Right? Like, it never happened. Garrett gets murdered. Everyone in Brad Wesley's... Like, here's here's a question. How many witnesses do you think there were to Brad Garrett or Brad Wesley having someone drive that monster truck through the car? You're telling me there's not one fucking crazy... I live in small town Midwest in uh, Indiana, right? You're telling me that there's not some fucking... Hey, fuck you. That's his fucking small business. Fuck you. Just yeah, fucking rich person that, hating guy who's going to talk to the so feds. There's so many crazy? moments in this movie that I'm just constantly like, there's no one who's going to just like, I got to tell the cops, man. Like, this is like that. Like, we've been watching sure. The Sopranos again in the episode where they're the executive <laughs> game and Polly like, pretends to, like, pretends to, like, stick up the cop. And he's like, hey, man. Just so you know, if you guys get loud or there's shots fired, we got to take the call. Otherwise, do whatever you want. <laughs> they literally drive a monster truck through a fucking car dealership, yeah. and no one's like, should we get community service people around? Like, what's going on? Do we need a community watch of some kind? Like, no one says anything. But this it's is the so thing. weird. It's, it's a tightrope to walk, right? Because 
in a bar. Because I used to be a bouncer at a bar, and we could, like, rough people up, air quotes. Because the owner of our bar was friends with the guys on the beat. So they would come in and take our right. statements and be like, oh, well, this guy, you know, probably a little shady, right, looking back on it. But also, you're like, college kids are assholes. They don't really care that much. They're hate dealing. Right, yeah, who cares? But inside the bar, there is this, this theory that the movie sets up is that the law of the bar extends past the fucking doorstep of the double deuce. It truly does not. Like, no, Dalton is no, not a cooler of the real not. world. False. Right? Another false narrative. Yeah. You can't be like, ah, I'm the cooler at the double deuce. It's fine. And then go down to the village pantry and just start throwing fucking roundhouse kicks. You know what I mean? Because some guy grabbed the last Cheetos. Like, that's not how this works in real life. So they had to do this fun thing where how can Dalton and Brad we Brad Wesley both be power brokers if the cops are constantly interfering? And it's one of those weird things. Every movie of this time period, I feel like what you would have had is four of those useless fat bodies, right, that Wesley has on the payroll. Four right. of the random big fat white guys with facial hair would have been corrupt cops. Totally. Pushing on him, weighing on him, right? That's how you do that. It's, it's funny that they went the other route because by the time, and this is the thing, they almost pull it off because as hard as it is to be like, yeah, there's like a lot of carnage and death. I feel like something should have been done. When we see the cops at the end, they literally stroll in after gunfighting has been happening for like an hour. Like, hey, did you see anything? And they're all like, no, no, I didn't. Nope, not me. Nope. And they <laughs> nope, just nope. go. Not at all. Uh -uh, all right. Me. And what we saw is Red literally took the five murder weapons because they all got a shotgun shot on Wesley, which was great. He just walks them to the other room. I don't even know if he has a handkerchief to at least pretend to wipe them down. He definitely has no, like, cleaners of any kind. So he just sets all of the shotguns in a closet to the side, and the cops are like, well, pretty open and shut case here. The coffee table did it. Let's go back to, uh, you know, yeah. the bar. And then the blind guy is just playing us out. Dalton dives in and is skinny dipping in the lake next to all the fucking throat ripped corpses. And oh, it's yeah. a happy ending. <laughs> like, what? I mean, that thing is littered like Crystal Lake. Like, it's insane. It's oh. just like. Well, I like to think the reason they're floating at the surface like that is just like both of their taints are on that fucking dead guy's back. <laughs> he is their personal pool noodle. Used to fuck guys like me in prison, eh? <laughs> now I'm gonna fuck on you! <laughs> oh my god, dude. I completely... I know this is like one of the lines from the movie, but I totally forgot that that was like something someone said in a movie in 1989. It's a strange like, flex. It's a strange flex. I texted you last night when I was watching it. I'm like, weird flex. I'm not gonna lie. It's, I'm not sure I would want to brag like, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Like, <laughs> This movie has so many amazing right. lines. My yeah. favorite line in the movie by far is red. Where he, uh, he gets shaken down or whatever, and Patrick Swayze's like, do you all pay, right, for the betterment of society fund right. or whatever? And Red just looks up with his mop, and he goes, does a hobby horse have a wooden dick? It's <laughs> 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 I was like, yeah! It's one of those awesome, I tell you, the funniest shit I ever heard in my life, I used to work at a car factory, right? Uh, it's like a summer job. I would work on this car assembly line. Right. And there was this fucking weird old geezer, man. He was a weird fucker. I actually stole a bass guitar from him. He loaned me, like, an Eddie Van Halen, like, from the video Jump bass. It's so such a weird thing. And I just, I never, I quit my job, so I never found him again. I guess I didn't steal it. I just had it in my house. But to right. this day, I'm like, that guy's probably out there hunting me right now. <laughs> weirdest fucking guy. But he used to have the fun, he would say the weirdest shit, right? And these country people have these things. But the weirdest one he ever told me, right, was one day, I can't remember what it was, but, like, I had a CD or something, and he saw, like, a pic. Let's just imagine it for the time period. It was, like, Britney Spears, right? right. And he just goes, woo <laughs> Yeah, what's up? And he goes, I'd eat a mile of her shit just to see where it come from. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, he just was like, he said it like it was so, I'd eat a mile of her shit to see where it come from. I'm like, are you saying you just want to see her butt or, like, her poop or you like to eat? Like, whatever, that's funny. <laughs> And I love it as, but like these old timers have these great sayings. They're like to nail that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, pain don't hurt is the line we all remember. Right. But does a hobby horse have a wooden dick? That's <laughs> that's an old timer right there. <laughs> I mean, that's oh, it's so good. I even like shit. the old the, the old timey farmer who gets the vapors when he watches uh, Dalton do karate. Yeah, he has some great, great lines too. So good. I personally just love anytime that he's in the barn working out. It's always so just like it's. 
it's like uh, it's the scene that should have been what uh, that uh, Kevin Bacon thing in Footloose was when he was in the uh, flour mill um, dancing by himself. But he's just like, fucking the old to abandoned town. railroad graveyard. We're cutting yep. it loose. Fit this. He's just I just every time. And then anytime someone's he's, he's like working out every time he's in there, someone comes in to like give him some fucking speech like. Wow. The big one, obviously, is like Wade. When Wade shows up, he goes. When he swings on Wade. That is like a truly a more emotional than it should be moment for me. Oh, totally. Like, no, it's so weird. <laughs> no. Yeah, actually, my friend Joe Collins. I'm not sure if he listens. One of my good buddies. We bounce together, and he used to always be like, "I'm Wade, and you're dope." And I was like the young gun bouncer, because the guy who owned the bars we worked at, he used to rent party buses every summer. So we'd go down in this massive bus. We'd clear out all this shit from his own bar, right? Like kegs and margarita mix and he'd get a party bus for us to go to uh jimmy buffett concert every summer so all the bouncers we were all dressed up in like hawaiian shit and like overalls to go to a jimmy buffett concert and i'll never remember the first time i went we watched roadhouse like four times on the bus right there and back and i'll never forget because we're down there and uh, we come out and there's just like this 65 year old lady who flashes us her titties and we're like wow, this should be Buffett shits for real. Like, this is a hardcore party. We got to get ready. There's brawls everywhere, believe it or not, just fights. We go into the bathroom. I turn around. I'm, like, pissed, and I'm washing my hands. I turn around, and he smashes this dude's face off a urinal. And I was like, oh, God, he's big. He's built like Donkey Kong. Just a big fucking guy, right? We go outside, and he's just, like, giant. He's in overalls with no shirt on underneath. Like, Jesus saying, he's, like, the most recognizable Next thing you know, we're surrounded by like 10 security guards and a Verizon Wire. It was Deer Creek or Verizon Wire, whatever it is now. Corporate state, like place, right? And he, I shit you not, this is how much we had watched Roadhouse. And like he didn't, he looked at me and he's like, I'll take that half. And I was like, there's like 12 dudes. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I literally just threw my hands up. I'm like, I didn't do anything. I totally betrayed him. And I was like, I'm not. And we got thrown out. But I was like, he literally was like, I'll take that half. And I was like, we got to stop watching Roadhouse, man. This is bad for our <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it was so bad. See, there are a lot of life lessons, but you have to use them correctly. And that's the really right. that's the real important thing about Roadhouse is learning those life lessons and understanding where they apply yeah. in real life. Well, but Dalton lays out the life lesson, right? He says the best line in the movie as far as, like, theme or lesson, which is, no one wins a fight. Yep. And I was like, that's true, man. Like, if you've ever been in, like, when I was a bouncer, it's like, it was such a hassle. First, you were like, oh, cool. And then you're like, no, this sucks. It's horrible. I'm at the age of my life. I'm like, if someone in my family's life is not on the line, like, 0% chance I'm fighting anyone. You know, it's horrible, right? And, like, this movie does get into that. Like, real fighting is brutal, like. I guess Dalton's fourth rule is uh, once you start fighting, cripple people's knees, right? Because yeah, they're bigger people's than people's knees, and if they don't stop after that, rip their throat. Fucking out. throat rip, right? But that that line in the movie is "No one wins a fight" is really apt. Think about by the end of this movie, how many people are dead, and then you've got the bar owner of the Double Deuce. Now he's wearing leather jackets and murdering people. Oh yeah, we just created five new Wesleys. They have like a new redneck cartel. I mean, the real problem is Dalton, in a way, creates the problem of the double, creates the like second right. problem of the double deuce, which is emboldening these assholes to just continue being assholes. It's not good. Well, once they've killed Wesley, we know the cops are literally useless, yes. right? Like, what happens the next time some guy's like, uh, hey, I'm the Sears exec that was coming here because Brad Wesley, um, we're still setting up Sears, and he's like, I don't fucking think so. I sell washing machines. Right, and then Dalton's going over there to do some fucking Roebuck throat rips. Like, this is this is out of control. I think this town is actually a, a an all the way gets purged off the face of the earth town when Dalton leaves. Oh, yeah, like absolutely. Dalton gets a little dead body whap in the the creek at the end there, the pond. Right. Right. The moment that scene ends, the new nightmarish fucking Silent Hill version of this town takes. Absolutely, 100%. it's so bad. And that's the thing, Dalton, because this Dalton's like the Zen master, right? right? And then because he gets some some puss, he gets a little puss. Now he's all hot blooded. He's ready. He's he's back because he got a little puss, and he's getting too much, right? Like I love the scene in the barn you're talking about where he's punching that fucking stick dummy and he's climbing up the rope. <clears throat> yep. And then he tries to punch Wade because he's all the way in now. He's emotionally attached to Red's <laughs> tire barn. 
Like, you're going to fucking punch Wade in the face over a fucking tire depot? Come on, sir. He's all the way. Because Wade, you. this is the funny thing about the movie, though, is you feel like Wade's the asshole. He's like, oh, you're fucked now, mijo. He's like, we got to get down the road. We got to drive out of here. Right? Let's, let's just be gone. And you're I mean, like, oh, Wade what a the, loser. Wade is the voice of reason, man. Well, by the end of the movie, you're like, I think every single person in town's life would probably be better <laughs> had Dalton just driven out. Yeah, they still have to pay 10% better. a month to, if like, Dalton the better. left town after, like, making sure the bar had a fresh coat of paint, probably would have been fine. <laughs> probably would have said, listen, blood. you, giant fat guy, you're in charge because you have my haircut now. I'm getting out of here. And <laughs> like the like, dust. Here's my tight karate jeans. Here's my fucking rope to climb. You won't need that, but hold on to it just in case. Goals. Uh, <laughs> see you later. Uh, no, I, I'd like to see a sequel where Keith David takes the mantle and he's the ass whipper of the town. But, um... <laughs> no, uh... We gotta talk about the, the infamous throat rip, too, because one of the things the movie asks us to overlook and forget is that Dalton is just a hardcore serial killer. Um... Yes. He kills at least five people on screen. Right. Right? No, four people on screen. Uh, you could assume everyone at Wesley's compound, we see them knocked out. They could all be dead. I assume all every, I assume anyone who's not speaking to camera and facing down is dead, for sure. Yeah, that's like what I assume, Like, when Wesley too. happens upon <laughs> those guys, they're dead. Yeah, and Wesley, of course, he... he for some reason, he decides not to throat rip Wesley. He's like, this is my line. 20 bodies is too much for me. He's like, I killed everyone else, but not yes. Wesley. Weird line to draw after you already did it once. But yeah, and he sure. doesn't know that the uh, the fucking hillbilly firing squad is there, but they handle that shit. Um, yeah. But what I love, though, there was a thing I noticed this time when he fights the guy who loved men like him in prison. Uh, right. When he knocks him off the bike, they have a fight, right? And they're going for it. There's a beat in the middle of the fight where that guy's down. Necklace bro. Uh, denim vest and necklace bro, right? Yeah. He's down on his knees, and Dalton grabs him by the top of the hair. And you can see the way they staged it. Dalton's going for the throat rip, and he freezes. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, because Dalton's a fucking psychopath that knows he needs him to draw that gun first. And you might yes. say, but Griff, he didn't draw the gun till the end of the fight. How did he know? You know what I know from the movie? The exact evidence of the movie is that Dalton spotted a boot blade from fucking 40 feet away in a hazy smoke. I don't know if people who listen to this are going to be old enough to remember smoking in bars. I used to work at a bar where you could smoke in. It was an absolute different atmosphere. You've never been in a place like that with that much smoke. You can't see that well. It's horrible. So for him to spot that boot blade, Dalton immediately sized up, this guy's got a gun and I'm going to get a murder him. Right? Because Dalton could have just beat his ass and called the cops. I'm going to get to murder him. Yeah, Dalton. I mean, he has those little fucking karate sweaties on. He probably has a little chubby in there. He's like, oh, I'm going to get a rip this fucking necklace wearing dude's throat out. Right. But so he he's going for the throat rip. If you watch, freezes. The fight continues. Uh, and then and only the second he pulls the gun, then he's like, oh, thank God. And just immediately murders it's him. very much a sexual release of some kind. It's an absolute oh, fucking God. murder, right? And the, the scene I love about... Because he this is a premeditated murder. This is 100%. The moment he hears that motorcycle, he's like, Oh, thank God, I get to murder someone. Right? He <laughs> so plans this. And the fact that he went for the throat rip and stopped, this is premeditation. Dalton is a fucking serial killer. We see him go Jason Voorhees on Wesley Manor, right? Whether we think that he should have or not. He's a fucking all-the-way serial killer. The thing I love, though, is that... Uh, is it Kelly Preston is the actress? Who's the actress? It's Kelly, it's Kelly Lynch. Kelly Lynch. Kelly Lynch, yeah. So she runs up, sees the body, and is just like, oh, God, I'm throwing it all the way for a fucking ashtray man bouncer who fucking throat rips. Gross. Leaves. And then the very next scene is like, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm back. Let's skinny dip. <laughs> I'll save you from Wesley's man. That's like sur that's like survivor's guilt. Like she's like there because she's like I just oh my god I feel terrible about what happened. They shit Some that is so guilt. fucking wild. Uh, walk me through Garrett man Wade Garrett. How do you get two just fucking pillar icon of manliness? Just when you think Dalton couldn't be cooler, 
I mean, Wade is literally cool. If you didn't think it was possible, there is someone actually cooler than Dalton in this movie, and it's his yeah. mentor of some kind. Although they yeah. seem, he's obviously older, but he's the guy who showed him the ropes, broke him in. Right, he showed him the ropes about bouncing, which means that he's a much bigger loser than Dalton. But <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't have all that fancy NYU book learning. He just didn't have like you know he he read. Um, he read Kierkegaard and um, Plato on his own time rather than go to college for it. <laughs> I read and didn't understand on my own time. Thank you. I waited for the <laughs> podcast version. Um, <laughs> yeah, like he's just so cool and chill. And ultimately, you kind of want to be honestly like you kind of sit there and you're like, God damn, do I want to be Wade? No, let me answer that for you. Wade. Yes. Wade, because not Absolutely. only is Wade just cooler, right? But Dalton thinks, Dalton knows he's cooler, right? Dalton even says Wade Garrett's the best. So even right. Dalton, who we know is, thinks he's the best man in every room, knows that Wade's better. But when Wade is just smooth, pimping, and he takes her well, dancing, it? right? And there's that great bit where yeah, he's like, this that's is the, part the, where that's you tell the me. fucking line that I love. Yeah, he's like, this is where you tell me your friend's such an ass guy. He's like, no, this is where I tell you I want you for myself. Yeah, and it's great because oh, Dalton's over there like half asleep, that dope. And he's like, whatever he says is a lie. He just dips her down, smooth as shit and goes, don't bet on it. And I was like, this guy's the coolest. Not that, that it's super alone, cool to fuck your buddy's girlfriend. <laughs> but yeah, it's super not cool. But like that scene alone makes him so much cooler than Dalton. Just yeah. because he literally like, I love the like laying it all out there for yeah. him. Like, listen. This is how I am. This is what I'm going to tell you. Well, it's weird, too, because if I'm not mistaken, we don't see Dalton take a drink until Wade shows up. And then Wade shows up, and he's, like, sleepy, having a couple beers. And then every scene after that, he's like, let's have a beer. Because he's trying to be like Wade. Because coffee is not the coolest thing to order in a bar. No. Booze. Uh, Manly booze Because Wade is cooler. Wade is Wade cooler. Is cooler. About. Wade can handle his booze because Wade's probably has a problem anyways. So, <laughs> no. you know. Okay. Again, this is one of those things you see from afar, right? Like, I think Bukowski led an interesting and cool life. I also think he was a loser and do not want to be Bukowski, right? Exactly. He was a lonely, miserable alcoholic, but he, you know, also... I think there is something to admire sometimes in people who can like turn that kind of sadness and pain into something. I cool. agree. I think it's something Wade to admire, which is palette. what makes Wade Garrett so awesome. No, Wade Garrett's palate is the the fucking walls of the titty bar. He fucking just decorates with blood and schmegma from all these fucking losers. Bam, 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 bam. bam. I I wanted to. I so I did a lot of I I wanted to read like the some of the trivia in this movie is amazing. But Hit me. The, I love trivia. Two. I wanted to tell you this one. Uh, there are two movies that um, Swayze was offered after Roadhouse. Okay. He could not take either of them because he had a knee injury. He was offered, which I think role. he got on the set of Dirty Dancing from all the fucking jumps. It started on Dirty Dancing, yeah. and then he got re-injured at the end of Roadhouse. Mm. He was offered the role of Cash in Tango and Cash. Okay. Which went to Kurt also, Russell, Kurt Russell, right? I think that's Kurt Russell. Yeah. And then he was also offered Mike Harrigan in Predator 2. Really? Yes. Wow. What a different movie that would have been. And instead he took Ghost because he didn't want to uh, blow his knee up again. And Ghost just annihilates both of those in the box yeah. office, I'm sure. And Ghost literally he was, it literally was the right call because it made a yeah. bunch of money and he didn't have to do anything. He just, How had to do, funny. he just had to do Ghost Pottery to me more. Yeah. How funny that Patrick Swayze left the set of Roadhouse as an actual Wade Garrett with the knee issue. <laughs> <laughs> How funny is that? You're like, yeah, I want to be those two Manly movies. No, you're in the Pottery movie. Coolest guy ever. Also, Kelly Lynch was originally Annette Benning. Really? Rumor has it that Heron Swayze had no chemistry, so they recast after like a week. I would put that in the least, uh, <laughs> least shocking news tab. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm uh, I'm not yeah. sure. I'm here for the uh, Annette Benning yeah. as the doc. Well, also, he uh, probably just came off of Dirty Dancing, where he already had no chemistry with Jennifer Grey. Right. He didn't like her at all. Apparently, they didn't get along. So he's probably like, I'm not doing that shit again. 
also, I don't know if anybody likes this, but I do have one tagline that I found from this movie that is probably one of my, it, it, it's trying to capitalize on the swayziness of the whole thing, which is the dancing's yeah. over. Now it gets dirty. I don't oh, like come on. I love the <laughs> guys. We really need you to buy in that. This guy's not a poos. <laughs> we really need you to believe that Brad Wesley doesn't put Dalton in the corner. <laughs> The whole thing is literally like, hey, did you see Dirty Dancing? Ladies, you'll love it. Guys, do you like <laughs> dirty things? You'll love this. That's all it is. Bless that yeah. marketing team. I mean, it's a good line, though. It's a good line. It's all right. Is it as good as, a polar bear fell on me <laughs> after doing an Abbott and Costello? <laughs> Absolutely nothing is better than that. The fact that he did the Abbott and Costello Dom DeLuise gas, I was like, this is this is a rotund, gerbil-looking man who's like, this is my shot, Mom's spaghetti. And he went for it. He absolutely got every ounce of it he could. I admire him to no oh, end. Yes. I love it. There was no scenery left after he chewed it. It was wonderful. Mad respect. Oh, so fucking good. All right, is there anything else on this... Uh, this fucking beef slab that we brought to Thanksgiving. I don't. What think else so, about Roadhouse? Think... Or do you just want to you want to say it, sing its praises one more time? I mean, it's just it's the prototype for what I think. It's interesting because you look at it now and you look at what we're like. Look at action movies now, and you know we had like the Expendables, which was like this ultimate blowout. But really, the major action movies are not about like short of The Rock. Yeah. They're not really big muscle bound dudes. Like it's basically the Fast and Furious movies and John Wick. And John Wick is, you know, shooting guns. He's and doing like hand to hand combat stuff. He's not like super hulked out or anything. I think Roadhouse might be the predecessor for the early, the late two thousand uh late late twenty teens, is that how you say it? Late twenty teens action trends, mm -hmm. perhaps. It's just, it's a movie that I was telling you one of the funny things is like if you study screenwriting and we have all read the books and we all write, they're like, don't write movies like this. Don't, you don't want your dialogue to sound like a movie character. You're like every line in this movie sounds like overly dramatic movie yes. dialogue, right? Uh, don't make the stakes to it. Like this is an absolutely unbelievable. It's bad business for Brad Wesley to be like, I want 10% of the worst bar in town. When we see the double deuce with the line out the door. Brad Wesley just taking 10% of that is better business. But he's what like, no, goodness. I'll murder for it because I want to finger the nurse. And like, he's losing his mind trying to fucking Dr. Moreau this town, right? Yes. And it's just awesome. But this is what I mean. Patrick Swayze, and then you pair him with Sam Elliott. They just, they exude this, they, they're almost become this, this fucking mythic relic, right? You're like, we want to reach through the screen. We want to steal the secret of fire and flight. All the things from the gods that we can't have. They're just these fucking pillars of masculinity kind of playing against the the tropes of an 80s action movie as we've come to know it because like i said they're 70s cool right mcqueen and and clint yeah. eastwood and uh gene hackman right like those definitely, kind of 70s definitely cool, 70s cool for sure yeah because there was some point where we decided that masculinity was i can just shoot big guns and have giant muscles and this is just a throwback to a different time so you take the fun big silliness of an 80s action movie and you add that 70s cool cool guy right right and it, again it's like he's he's jumping around like a ballerina the fighting is questionable at best but then you get a throat rip and you're like yeah like i believe patrick swayze could beat everyone up absolutely i'll tell you if i had a weird takeaway of this movie not to get too weird i'm sure if there's any psychology uh, students studying this they're gonna be like oh griff's got a problem um have you noticed that when you watch movies from this era, like, uh, so Brad Wesley's uh, jazzercising girlfriend, right? When he sends her up to strip on the stage. Right. I was like, is it weird that women like her, right? She's a verifiably attractive woman. I guess she checks all the boxes. Sure. Would be attractive in any era. When I watch her on that stage, she just looks like my aunt. Not like specifically my aunt, but... Women from these 80s action movies with, like, those hairs and weird underwear and weird dresses, they just look like... I remember my mom getting together with her friends to have, like, pre-bottled Bahama Mamas, like, after a day at State Farm with, like, giant hair and shoulder pads. And you're like, they all look like that to me. Like, 
the women of this era aren't like they can't be attractive to me because i'm just imagining like co-workers of my mother <laughs> like they're they're somehow trapped in an era where like young boy josh griffey is like no i see i see uh the woman who steals the cowboy hat is like that's an authority it figure. for roadhouse thank you everyone what a one- <laughs> <laughs> all right i mean break that down as you will but they, they look old <laughs> They look old, even as that they're at their peak desirable. It's weird. I don't know. I just I see I mean, her. I can't look, man. Whatever, whatever, whatever revs your engine, whatever plays your blues. You know, do your thing, man. Eighties, eighties, beautiful women that look very eighties to me. They look like my mom's State Farm coworkers. I can't, I can't be tempted by that fruit. They, they look eternally old to me, right? Like they're like a weird reverse Dorian. It is a gray. relic. I mean, you know, high waisted <laughs> under high waisted underpants, big hair. Yeah, it's a relic. <laughs> In their attic, their Dorian Gray picture is just like shoulder pads <laughs> and hairspray. It's fine. It's fine. It's weird to me. It's like attic, a weird thing. I'm like, Gray I can't enjoy looks this like, part of uh, me. Baby Jane. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like I, I just, I won't. This, this part's not for me. I'll be over there doing a uh, karate kegels with Swayze. Neither here nor there. That's the end of Roadhouse. That's the end of the pod brings the beef month. Next month, uh, we stuff your stockings, guys. That's all listener selections. We have a handful that have guaranteed made the cut because the movies are so awesome. You still have time. You still have time. Find us on any social media platform you have. We're there. Give us your pick. If you want to email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Give us your pick there. I swear to you, you can still get your movie on our list for uh, December. We're doing seven to nine. We've been working it out. We're doing a lot of work. So there's still a chance. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Film Alchemist on YouTube for a lot of fun new stuff we're working on. Please take a second and leave a rating and review here, uh, whatever app you're listening to this now, especially if that's Apple Podcast app. We thank you very much. Um special note we have one more one or two more shows this month that we're we're bringing on a very special guest so you'll be hearing from him later this week uh we won't divulge yet just to make sure everything's in place but um stay tuned lots of fun stuff get in your stocking stuffers thanks for sharing the beef with us guys and griffey's fantasies about his mom's state farm employees no no i said not fantasies the opposite of fantasies whatever wap is the inward version of that listen it's fine man don't no. worry about it it's like whap but if all the moisture was coming from my tear ducts please stop <laughs> ew gross <laughs>